0: Hey there, it's your friend Tig. I have been feeling some anxiousness on a certain level that I hadn't in the past year and a half. And I was really trying to figure out how did things escalate for me personally with this anxiety. One night when I was unable to sleep, I got in touch with the fact that the amount of news that I was reading was not helping my state of mind. And I woke up the next day and I just deleted the news apps off of my phone because I noticed I was getting into such a spiral. And I think, you know, a lot of people rely on social media to check out or that brings them anxiety. And I really think it was news for me. I am a firm believer in that your phone should not alert you of any sort of news or social media or anything like that, that you should go to these sites when you want information rather than letting them have the control to alert you. So I've actually kept just one app on my phone and it is for NPR. And this is not an ad for NPR, but um, it's just a five minute update of the headline news that you don't read. They just tell you the news for five minutes every hour if you want the news that hour. And some days, I can't even believe this, I haven't even clicked on that news. I still feel like I know for the most part what's going on, but I just, I'm trying to avoid any sort of unnecessary, stressful, salacious news headlines. And I cannot believe, I mean, I think I'm going on a month now. I have not read the news. And honestly, I'm sleeping better. It's good to stay informed, but don't overdo it. Check in with the news. Check in with social media. Check in with certain sites or apps, but get some sleep. <sighs> but then again, what do I know? I'm the host of Don't Ask Tig. All right, let's... uh. Let's get to the show. And just so everybody listening does know that you are smoking drugs right now, I am. Um, yeah,
1: that's where you'll find me. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> is it drugs? It, 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 is it drugs? You're saying? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I. Um, I mean, isn't anything that alters your mind even coffee? It's a drug. Uh, it's true.
1: It is a drug. Life,
0: <laughs> life is a drug. Love <laughs> is a drug. <laughs> Zooming is a drug.
1: Podcasts are a drug.
0: (laughs) Yeah. This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro, taking you to task for continuing to ask. My guest today is an actor, writer, producer, director, and entrepreneur. You know him from his work in comedy favorites like Knocked Up, Pineapple Express, and Superbad. Seth Rogen, thanks for being here. It's a pleasure to have you on the show and finally meet you, even though it is on Zoom.
1: I think this is the best way to meet me. I've decided. I find people come away from our Zoom interactions with better thoughts of me than actual face-to-face ones. (laughs) You can modulate my volume on Zoom. (laughs) Oh, I see. (laughs) (laughs) Which would be a gift in real life.
0: (laughs) Now, Seth, your autobiography, Entitled Yearbook, debuted a few months ago, and you described it as a collection of true stories that you hope could be life-changing for readers. Does any particular anecdote come to mind that may have that sort of impact?
1: No. I, honestly, I've been contacted by a lot of people who have tried shrooms and acid for the first time in the wake of reading my book, which has the potential to be life-changing, I would say, for some people. Yeah. Take from it what you will. <laughs> but uh, I, I have had a slew of incoming messages of people um
0: from people high. From people
1: high on acid for the first time, thanks to my book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's what you set out to do?
1: Yeah, that, it's nothing that was else. Your, yeah. <laughs> there was a moment where a note from my like, editors were like, you've turned this into sort of a commercial for acid, and I don't know if that's <laughs> necessarily something we want to be putting out there.
0: <laughs> Considering the fact that people writing in are on acid, have the letters been interesting or have there, Exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> have they made
0: sense? Have there been drawings?
1: It's been very it's creatively lucid and clear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was reading uh an article, uh, I think it was a couple of months ago about you regretting making certain jokes in the past. Yeah. As times change. What responsibility do you think comedians have for material that they've done years ago?
1: It's however they want to be viewed in the world. It's incumbent on them to mm-hmm. be that person, you know? Yeah. If you are like a remorseless prick and that is who you are and, and you're okay with that being how you are perceived and that has brought your life to a place where you are happy, then, then you don't have to do anything. If you are someone who genuinely evolves and changes and wants the people you connect with to feel that that's who you are and to be with you on that journey, then um, I've found being just honest about it is is actually very easy and not something that I, you know, it's not like a responsibility I feel any more than any other responsibility I feel to be like truthful as a performer and yeah. someone putting stuff out into the world. Like I genuinely look at some of the jokes and I'm like, Ush, like, wouldn't have done that.
0: Yeah, now. yeah, yeah.
1: And that's not hard for me to say. And I think for some, especially comedians, it seems like this huge concession to admit that perhaps your work did not have like an infinite shelf life, you know? But I also don't think that, what makes art good is its shelf life necessarily. I don't think that everything isn't great because it lasts a long time. And and sometimes things are good for a moment and then and then aren't good anymore and sometimes things you look back on and you're like it was never good and in that moment that it was viewed as good it shouldn't have been viewed as good and there's a million incarnations of it but i found Mm -hmm. just for me personally just being honest about (laughs) any specific thing is, is has been very easy you know and um but i'm amazed at like how many comedians seem to not like to think that everything they've said in the history of their careers has aged absolutely perfectly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a good point. And I I think it's true because I do believe people change. Yeah. And like you're saying, taste in your own stuff and other people's stuff changes. And it's just nice to hear because it does seem like when somebody owns something and is just upfront and just like, Yeah, I don't connect with that anymore. Or, yeah, I made a mistake. And this is who I am and where I am now. Instead of like, yeah, I'm going to tear the whole house down over it. Yeah. You know, (laughs) and somehow that makes somebody more of a comedian. Yeah. If they own something forever.
1: Exactly. Like the idea that every output I have as a creator will age perfectly forever is insane. <laughs> There's no artist where everything they ever did aged. Like,
0: of course. And even if it is not in the conversation of being offensive or hurtful, yeah, it also can just be a terrible joke. Like when I yeah. <laughs> look at my material before, There's so many things where I go, oh, my God, what a terrible writer. Yes. What a terrible performance. And not that I'm terribly hard on myself. But like I said, you can change whether it's that you get better at something, yeah. whether it's being a human being or being a better writer. I think it's disarming and it's admirable when people own up to things.
1: I appreciate that. <laughs> my my my, nice my,
0: my new friend, it's <laughs> yeah, nice to hear.
1: It's nice to hear that it's nice to hear.
0: <laughs> yeah. I encourage people to change. I mean, even in a relationship, um, the argument of like, oh, you've changed. yeah. It's like, well, yeah, I have. It's we're ten years down the road, we're twenty years down the road. Are you really hoping that I'll be frozen in time?
1: Yeah, (laughs) very much so. Is that
0: what you're wanting from me?
1: You know, I've been in a relationship for sixteen years, and me and my wife have obviously changed a lot. We were in our early twenties when we met, and now we're almost you know forty. So, like, you change a lot in that time. I think what's nice is we've changed together in a lot of ways, but that is what I'm hoping people who like buy movies can do is like change with me. And to yeah. say like, yeah, like
0: we outgrew that.
1: Yeah, we outgrew that. Or like, <laughs> or we can at least look at it and be like, we truly did not know better. And now we do. And it exists. But like, let's not do that again.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Judd Apatow has been a guest on Don't Ask Tig, which I believe he felt the bump in his career that you're yes, soon good. to feel in yours. <laughs> Now, he played, obviously, a, a huge role in your career. Yeah. Are there any specific life lessons that you learned from working with Judd or being friendly with Judd? Um,
1: I mean, a lot. I, more than I can, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to think of how to distill it. it. You know, I was so young when I started working with him. I was, I was 16, I think, when I met him and mm-hmm. worked very closely with him until I was like 24, 25, you know? So th- those are very, like, formative years and, like, In the years after that, I really look back and I was like, oh like my entire creative outlook was heavily forged by by him and his world and You know, and it's funny now that I've gone on to like work with other types of directors and writers, I see how specific it was, but when I was in it, it just was like, oh, this is how you make movies. You hire writers as actors, you tell them all to improvise, you hire writers as directors. Yeah. It just seems so chaotic now, (laughs) but (laughs) it was very collaborative. And that was really something that, you know, I learned a lot of is like honesty. Like that was something that when I first met him. Gary Shandling was actually around a lot and, like, it was kind of on the heels of the Larry Sanders show. And, like, I grew up watching that. So that was kind of, like, the benchmark in everyone's heads, I think, Mm -hmm. at the time when I was starting of, like, the supreme mixture of, like, comedy and honesty and concept and commercial appeal. Like, it kind of seemed to all come together. And, like, I think, like, what would someone say in this situation was always something that was, like, I remember Judd saying, like, that's always what Gary would say. And then when we were doing Freaks and Geeks, that was, like, something that would always come up. And, like, it's such a simple, like, writing concept, but it's something that when you look at so many scripts is clearly not something anyone is saying to each other. Is <laughs> like, what would you actually do or say in this situation? Yeah, yeah. It's so simple, but I think about it, like, all the time and i think it like lends itself to like an overall like honesty in work which is like don't let the concept override like honest human <laughs> feeling and interaction
0: yeah it's funny to be in a scene and you have your lines down yeah or not have my lines down which is more often the case but yeah to have those moments of reflection of like wait a minute would i really say this would no. i and, would and just kind of this? yeah yeah <laughs> a helpful thing to go back to in those moments yeah
1: but i yeah i learned a lot
0: (laughs) he's such an interesting guy he has an in-depth thought and opinion and experience tied to anything and everything yes at the ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's an interesting guy to talk to.
1: It's a lifetime of lucidity mm-hmm. that offers him that, I think. <laughs> yeah. There's no chapters about acid in his book. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> As you mentioned, you were a young kid working in the industry in TV and film. Yeah. And now you uh, keep busy with a few different projects, including the Alzheimer's charity, Mm -hmm. and a cannabis brand. Uh Uh, (laughs) Uh-huh. How has the definition of success changed for you as you've hit different phases in your career?
1: Um... I think at a very young age, I surpassed any definition of success I ever had in my life Mm -hmm. and literally became more successful than any person I had ever met in my life. And so my definition of success has long been passed. (laughs) and, And I truly just try to do what I, and it's a very like luxurious position to be in, but I try to do what like engages me the most at any given moment. And I feel successful when I see that, my output is received the way that I intended it to be, you know, Mm -hmm. that to me is like, my benchmark for success in general if i write a book and i want it to be funny and honest and then people are like this book is funny and honest i'm like great i did i did success. what i tried to do success if i want to sell weed and i want people to be like oh it's beautifully branded and packaged and it's fantastic King of the world great weed i'm like great we did it so yeah. i'm not like a planner like people are like what's your five? like i have no like five-year plan three-year place you asked me five years ago what my five-year plan was like I wouldn't have had an answer. I think one of the things that lends itself to my overall happiness is I don't plan that far in advance and I, in general, am happy with what I've done and and it's all kind of bonus from here.
0: (laughs) That's a pretty incredible place to be, I would say. (laughs) Thank you. Now, Seth, I've got friends out there who are in serious need of help. Great. Do you think you can help us out? Yeah.
1: You know, I am. uh, I have literally none of the problems that the average human in society does. But I think I'm in a good position to help uh, (laughs) to offer down to earth relatable help. Yeah.
0: All righty. Well, I think this first question is in your wheelhouse. Okay. great. Laughing Mommy writes, my kid is in a stand up comedy club at her college. They have to prepare three minutes and present to each other. She tries hers out on me, and I was in hysterics, but my gut tells me, you don't try out jokes with your mother. Should I tell her not to tell me so she isn't disappointed if they don't die laughing like I did?
1: That's a tough one. I never would tell jokes to my mother. I mean, maybe as a comedian, you have different... Like, I haven't done stand-up comedy for years, but when I did it, I hated when people would ask me to tell them jokes in, like, a one-on-one setting. Oh, yeah. And I would always be like, it doesn't work like this. Like, it's not made for this. It's it's made for another thing. Like, it it doesn't work this close. Like, I don't know. Is it at all helpful to tell your jokes just to, like, your mother? I don't... (laughs) Just get comfortable saying them, maybe.
0: Yeah, I was going to say the only thing I can see as helpful is just being able to run through your thought process. And maybe laughing mommy could tell her child, listen, I think it's great. That you want to run through this material, but do not forget, I am your mother.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) And uh, you're going to need more than just me, unless you are Maria Bamford. I'm assuming you're familiar with Maria Bamford. Very,
1: very familiar. And she
0: has a stand-up special where she only tells her jokes to her parents who are sitting on a couch. So, you know... It has been done, but
1: you got to (laughs) commit.
0: Yeah, you got to commit and you have to be Maria Bamford. That's a small bullseye. (laughs) I feel like with stand up, you have to be able to make one person laugh. You have to make people in a comedy club laugh. You got to make the church group laugh. You got to walk into a theater and a college and make people laugh. So, sure, let her tell you her jokes. But she's got to graduate beyond Club Mommy.
1: It can't hurt, right?
0: It can't hurt. Yeah. It also might not help tremendously, (laughs) but it might help a little tiny bit.
1: Which is reason enough to do something, probably.
0: Yeah. And when I'm reading this, it says, my kid is in a stand-up comedy club at her college. I think that means like a club, like a... Theater club. Yeah,
1: like an improv class. Yeah. 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 No pressure anyway yeah overall. Yeah.
0: But I mean, you know, to go back to that club and be like, hey guys, I made my mother laugh last night. Nobody's really gonna be terribly impressed. But no,
1: I think this woman is maybe like thinking her daughter is taking her for more than she is you know like i if i made my mother laugh i would for sure walk away being like yeah i made my mother laugh like who cares
0: (laughs) yeah just remind her that you're her mother and tell her to get out there and have some at times somewhat unsafe shows and i just Mm -hmm. mean like when you're without a net i think it really kicks that extra sense in of comedy. When things are funniest and most awkward is when nobody knows what's going to happen. And um, I think that's going to help. Me personally, that's what I think. (laughs) But what do I know? I've only been doing it for almost 25 years. So, (laughs) all right. (laughs) Laughing Mommy, I hope that's helpful. Uh, Seth, it's time for a break, but we will be back shortly with more questions. We're back. Seth Rogen. This next question concerns cold hard cash. All right. Tangled Up in 20s writes Tig, I started a new job and my boss is a wonderful, supportive man. He was generous with a gift card for Christmas, but now he handed me an envelope with at least $2,000 $2,000 in it. I'm afraid to actually count it all. He said it's a gift for my daughter for her high school graduation and that I shouldn't tell anybody. I do not feel like there are any expectations attached to the gift, like extra work or a physical relationship, etc. but I feel like it is way beyond the office level of gifting. I have only been here a year and a half, so we do not have a long-term relationship that this is based upon? Do I give it back and say thanks, but no thanks, which might be insulting, or accept it? If so, what is an appropriate way to show my gratitude as a thank you note just wouldn't cut it? Mm. My gut is to not return it.
1: No, take the money.
0: Yeah, I feel like if somebody is giving you a gift, you should accept it. Yeah. Especially if You don't feel like there's any expectations attached to it, like you said. Yeah. And the other thing is, why isn't just a thank you note going to cut it?
1: That's what I was going to say. I think a thank you note would cut it perfectly. Yeah, and I, (laughs) I, I feel like
0: just taking a beat and maybe even acknowledging in the thank you note kind of what you said in this question, which is it's, well beyond what you ever imagined. You didn't expect anything like this and that you appreciate that there's no sort of feeling of expectation behind it. Mm -hmm. And that would cement the fact that that's it. Thank you. And I appreciate it. And just share those feelings just to have that clarity that it's well beyond your imagination, yeah, and that you are thankful.
1: I would tie. I would say my daughter is thankful. My whole yeah. family is thankful. I would uh, make it as unelicit feeling as possible. <laughs> as, uh, you know, if it's a gift for the family, then it's a let's say thank you on behalf of the family. You know.
0: Yeah, and maybe mention what you're going to do with it. What your daughter's going to do with it.
1: Yeah, that's what they taught us in bar mitzvah class: uh, how to write your thank you card. Thank you for the gift. Here's what I'll do with it. Thanks again for the gift.
0: <laughs> yeah. If I gave somebody $2,000 cash, it would probably feel nice to know what it went towards. Yeah. I think if you did much more than writing a note, then you're going to be elevating weird. the situation. Yeah. And you should just keep it where it is and say, thank you. Here's what we're doing. And, um, you know, send a picture of you gambling in Vegas.
1: <laughs> <laughs> send a picture of you just burning. Yeah.
0: <laughs> just throwing it up in the air and running <laughs> off. All right. Tangled up in 20s. That's what Seth and I feel very strongly you should do. Yeah.
1: Keep the money, write a note. For sure.
0: (laughs) All right, Seth, this next one is about dating.
1: Ooh.
0: Eunice writes, Dear Tig, recently a boy asked me out and we had a good time. Unfortunately, he found out I dated all the boys. How can I assure him?
1: (laughs) All the boys. (laughs) Yeah,
0: he is special. Thanks for your help. Yours truly, Eunice. I feel like... If you have dated a lot, and it sounds like you have, Eunice, I would say why assure him that he is special? Why not just let it play out and show yourself as well as this guy that he is special? Because I think that if you're out on the town, dating everyone you can get your hands on. And then you're like, I promise here, here's a gift. Here's a letter. If you're trying to assure him, I don't think that's going to work. I think that if I was with somebody who dated everybody in town. All the boys. All the boys. It would probably take just time and interest and focus on your relationship and not worry about assuring them.
1: Yeah, I feel similarly. It's kind of on him. I I think it's like if he's the kind of guy that, like, some guys can't get, like, are just, like, insecure and, like, can't get over that, you know? Uh And so, like, if he's just, like, an insecure guy and can't get over that or, you know, thinks this relationship is definitely going to be something that you don't definitely think it's going to be, then, like, that's his problem, kind of, I think, you know? Um, Yeah, and I wouldn't go, like, trying to assure an insecure man that they shouldn't be insecure because there's no way to do that I don't think
0: <laughs> right and also if you've dated a lot maybe you need to see if he is as special as he feels yeah you exactly. know because maybe he's not. yeah maybe he's not maybe you're still ready to date and you don't even know it yeah so Eunice settle down yeah all right take a beat here and uh let this play out. All right. Take some deep breaths. We're all very excited about this guy. But
1: yeah, don't I feel like it's like the instinct to comfort this guy. But like maybe you don't have to. If he's worried, like maybe that's just what it is. He's he's worried. (laughs) Yeah, he's
0: worried. But the only thing that is going to put his worry to rest or at ease is going to be consistency in your behavior.
1: Yeah. It'll happen or it won't, Eunice. Right. Good on someone named Eunice for dating a lot, I want to say also. Because I, when I picture a Eunice, I don't necessarily picture someone dating all the boys. So I, I know that's me, but...
0: I picture Eunice Kennedy Shriver. <laughs> there you go. And there's no way that... Eunice wrote this before she passed away.
1: She put this on auto. Said uh, years <laughs> before. <laughs>
0: All right. Best of luck. And uh, remember, take your time.
1: Take your time, Eunice.
0: Take your time, Eunice. Seth, you're close to your mother, right? I
1: am pretty close to her, yeah.
0: Okay. This next question comes from a listener who may be too close.
1: Yeah. You could have said that to any Jewish male and the answer would probably be,
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bertie writes, my 65-year-old mom is dating and asking me for sex advice. I'm so happy to have these conversations with her, but I don't know what to tell her. What is some good later-in-life advice for romance? Wow. I feel like if your mother is 65 and she's free enough to talk about it and free enough to be doing this, I mean, what it sounds like she doesn't need advice, right? No. I mean, it just sounds like she just needs to talk about it and you just need to hear her out. Yeah. Especially if you're okay with hearing it and you're yeah. happy to hear it, then be all ears.
1: Let her dish. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> How would you feel, Seth, if your mother was. Sharing.
1: Well, my mother is 65, I think. And uh-huh. so like that's why that's why I reacted the way I did because I was so putting myself in this person's shoes for the first part of the I was like, okay, 65 from mother, I'm with you, I'm there. Well, then when the sex advice hit me, it really well. It, it, it was a cold bucket of water because I was <laughs> I so thoroughly had bought into this uh, into the lie. Um I don't know, my mother truthfully my mother has talked to me like way too much about sex my entire life. You know, like if there's one, like I meet these people who are like, my mother never talks about sex. And I'm like, it's only like, it, it's, <laughs> like I, I can't remember a time when my mother was not talking about sex. And so uh, it would be, I, I, yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. If, if, if my mother was single and was, I'm sure it's something that she would want to talk about nonstop. I'd probably just tell her to talk to my sister about it, uh, not me, but, uh, but yeah, I think you're right. Let her get it out. Tell her to go on the Google shit. You know what I mean? She can Google shit. Like, uh, yeah. 65 year olds can use the internet. They can, they can find stuff out.
0: (laughs) I just, I mean, unless I'm missing something, it just doesn't seem like your mother's problem. Yeah. 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 So, um, I would just tell your mother, Hey, keep on keeping on, do what you're doing. Yeah. All right, Bertie. Glad to hear that your mother is staying active in her golden years.
1: We got a lot of old-timey names coming in between yeah. Bertie and Eunice. It's a, it's a real, like, bridge circle we got uh, writing, <laughs> writing letters in here.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, we've reached our um, final question. But I do need something else before you go. Okay. It's this segment called Name That Thing. Name! That thing. This is where people write in when they need us to name that thing for them. Anything. Anything from their firstborn child to a tattoo. Okay. The catch is they must use the name. Okay. This is binding, so we can't mess it up, Seth. I won't. How good are you at naming things?
1: Oh, uh, I have a spotty history. I'd say I'm hit or miss. I've got I've done some good naming and some bad naming over the years.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: My films uh, have some great titles, some terrible titles. So yeah, I, I'd say.
0: What's your best title? I'd say Pineapple
1: Express is probably the best title for a movie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: A long shot is probably the worst title for a movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, bring your best. All right. Okay. So Colin writes I used my quarantine time to design a new board game for kids. I need help finding a name for it. It's all about a party of adventurers exploring a dungeon, fighting monsters, using magic, and finding treasure. It's kind of a Dungeons and Dragons type board game. Any help is greatly appreciated. Thanks.
1: Wow. That's a toughie. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a party of adventurers, kind of like Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, like if we were just renaming Dungeons and Dragons is kind of where I would go. Um, Like what's another, what's an analogous? Uh,
0: <laughs> well, it could just be called, it's kind of like D&D. <laughs>
1: How about Dragons and Dungeons?
0: <laughs> oh, Dragons and Dungeons, Yeah. Or um, I'm thinking because it says it's about a party of adventurers. Yeah, the
1: word party stuck out to me.
0: Well, it could just be as simple as adventurer party.
1: The adventurer party. Or just the adventurers. Yeah. Adventurers is a cool word.
0: Adventurers.
1: The adventurer's adventure.
0: Well, here's what I'll tell you. We're going to have to narrow it down from kind of like Dungeons and Dragons (laughs) To Dragons and Dungeons. If it was
1: Dragons and Dungeons, he could still call it D&D also, which is also yeah. kind of... no, rough. I know.
0: <laughs> um, the Adventurers.
1: The Adventurers. Or
0: Party of Adventurers.
1: Party of Adventurers is kind of a cool name.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I... You know, it's funny to do dragons and dungeons, but it sounds like this guy really wants to, like... I want to
1: set this guy up to succeed. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to set this guy with, like, a satirical title that, or that gets him sued, ultimately.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: He doesn't need that. No.
0: All right, so are we settling? Party
1: of adventurers.
0: Party of adventurers. Let's do it. Let's do it.
1: There's your answer, Colin.
0: That's it. Colin, we dub your board game "Party of Adventurers." I, I hope you enjoy that.
1: I look forward to seeing it in the, on the on the shelves.
0: All right. Well, that's that's all I've got for you today, Seth. Uh, what an absolute treat it was to spend this time with you and to to meet you and I, I look forward to meeting you in the flesh I
1: know one day uh, it's a downgrade trust me um,
0: <laughs> do you have any uh, projects or anything you'd like to mention yeah
1: yearbook sure yearbook yeah
0: it's funny now
1: that also these things on streaming services it's like you can kind of promote them forever like like uh, Freaks and Geeks is out there so sure, yeah. watch
0: that uh, <laughs> yeah yeah watch the new season of Freaks and Geeks
1: <laughs> exactly <laughs> Invincible is a show I produce on Amazon. People like that. Uh, the Boys, that's another show. Uh, there's, I mean, there's plenty of things out there. Um, they're all doing fine. Great. I don't need to plug. It's <laughs> too
0: late. It's too late. The people have finally heard. It's been plugged. All righty, Seth. <laughs> I will look forward to seeing you in this lifetime. Yeah. Thanks again for hanging out with me.
1: Thank you so much. Bye.
0: Don't Ask Tig is hosted by me, Tig Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Willett, Shana DeLoria, and Ryan Lohr. Our executive producer and editor is Beth Perlman. Engineering and sound mixing by Johnny Vince Evans and Eric Romani. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Production support from Pizza Shark and Elena C. Our theme music is Friend in Tig by Edie Burkell and Kyle Crusham. And Listen to Your Heart by Edie Brickell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman, Lily Kim, Alex Schaffert, and Lauren D. Concept developed by Tracy Mumford. Our executive consultant is Dean Capello and Gobsmack Studios. You can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org. Just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo. Remember to follow us on social media at don'tasktig. Don't Ask Tig is a production of American Public Media. And as always, thanks, Dana, and I'll tell Becky.